0: Welcome to the Z Ball Podcast. We have exactly five days left in the NBA regular season, and I've uh, got a lot of stuff to get into Eastern Conference playoff races, uh, Western Conference playoff picture, the MVP race. And joining me on the line, live from Pasadena, California, we got uh, diehard Boston Celtics fan, Akshay. What's up, Akshay? How you doing? What's up,
1: bro? How's it
0: going? Chilling, chilling. Uh, Looking forward to the end of this regular season, and really looking forward to all these playoff matchups so let 's go ahead and start in the Eastern Conference. Uh, one through four seeds are pretty much set uh, kind of there might be some jumbling around with the seeding, but we got Cleveland with one seed currently your Boston Celtics number two, Toronto number three at the moment, and then Washington not far behind at number four, and then five between five and nine there 's a lot of uh, stuff still to be figured out so there's five, about five teams uh within two three games of each other so it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh the last five days of the season so just want to get your initial thoughts we'll, we'll start at the top of the eastern conference cleveland boston uh they they played the other night cleveland won pretty convincingly uh just what are your thoughts uh, let's let's start with cleveland and boston what are your thoughts on those te- two teams uh heading into the playoffs
1: you know what, bro? I, I don't know what to say about that. You know, that game was pretty bad on the Boston Celtics side. Even I think they completely blew it. I don't know what was going on. You know, they completely uh, didn't show up to play. Uh, I would have to put it that way. You know, <laughs> and then and um, then they ended up losing last night to Atlanta. Uh, pretty much wasn't that great either. But but uh, you know what? Boom. The thing about it is like Cleveland wins that game and then they come out tonight and they lose, but uh, Atlanta rested on um, most of its starters and they lost at home. So I don't know what's going on with uh, Cleveland and Boston. It seems like uh, they were on a high for some time now. All of a sudden, they're not really playing that well. So uh, either one's going to be one, number one and one's going to be number two. Either it's going to be Cleveland or it's going to be Boston. Uh, so... Um, I think there's only, what, three games left in the season, so we'll see what happens. You know, I think it's most likely most likely Cleveland number one, but but you never know, you know, because the way they're playing, they're really up and down, so if Boston can win the next three and Cleveland loses uh, one more, then it, Boston would be up top, so we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Cleveland definitely probably has the advantage for the one seed just because they own the tiebreaker. that. I, I believe three to one correct. head oh, to head correct. matchups so but uh just to cleveland i mean probably since mid about mid january uh i haven't really liked uh their defensive uh the prowess that they've cut they've come out with i mean they've been really lazy on defense it looks like every every time i see a game that they're involved in the other team is scoring 110 plus and this looks like to be a problem and. and that obviously these two, one of these two teams to end up as the number one seed. I think it's more important to Boston than it is to Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland uh, has shown before that the two seed, one seed doesn't really matter to them. And then teams that LeBron, LeBron has been on in general the past six seasons going to the finals, they've actually had more success as a two seed than they have as a one seed. So it, it, for LeBron's teams, it probably doesn't really matter going to the playoffs what seed they are in the Eastern Conference. I think it's more important to Boston to kind of play one of those weaker teams. But uh, Cleveland, like I said, defensively, I mean, they feel like, it feels like to me that they feel they can just turn on a switch in the playoffs. And do you think uh, that's kind of a wrong mindset to have for them? Because, I mean, they've turned it on before, but at some point, they're not going to be able to turn it on, right?
1: I think so. I have to agree with you there, bro. You know, it's sort of, it's hard to say, you know. I mean, I know they can turn it on. Um, they have that ability to turn on in the playoffs. So uh, the way they're playing recently, you know, and with the lack of with their injuries and pretty much, it's. Uh, I don't think it's possible. I don't think they can. I think um, LeBron is sort of knows that, and I think that's why he's he's he desperately wants them to get the number one seed, you know. But then we'll see what happens, you know, because. Um, I mean, besides LeBron, uh, Kyrie, I don't think there's anybody else be playing that well. I don't love just came back and give some time to get probably more um, in tune with the rest of the team. But I don't know, man. It'll be see. It'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, I don't. But I don't think they can. Um, I don't think it's not. It's not like last year where they didn't completely just like flip the switch and go from um, where they are right now to become a very powerful team again. It'll be tough.
0: Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see, but uh, they've been very laxical, laxadaisical, excuse me, like I said, uh, defensively. And it just looks like, I mean, like you mentioned, they've never had any sort of like consistent continuity this season just because all the injuries. uh, They've never really had their full cast of characters together all at once for maybe like a... 30 40 game stretch consistently so i think that's i think that's the main thing for them going in the playoffs but like i said in the eastern conference at least it doesn't matter what if they're the two seed or the one seed and then maybe maybe some of these uh lower end teams in the eastern conference push them a little more as opposed to last season but uh going going into your celtics uh they look like probably obviously one of the best teams in the east record wise but uh I see a kind of an inherent problem for them, and it's kind of been a problem in the last couple seasons. Uh, their go-to guy is five nine. He's obviously great offensively, but I feel like teams can kind of uh, tune that out in the in the postseason. What What's your thoughts on Isaiah Thomas being the go-to guy, and who do who else do you think kind of seeing on your Celtics can kind of step up in big spots in the playoffs? You know, that's a that's a
1: good question, Michael. You know, it's it's kind of a. It's sort of hard to uh, um, to pick one person. You know, I mean, uh, Isaiah Thomas is the go-to guy. But it's one of the things that the Celtics have been lacking, you know, the last couple years. I mean, granted, this is their third year in the rebuild, and I think it's what, uh, the quickest, uh, for them to win 50 wins in the third year is like the quickest, I think, um, probably in recent NBA history for any team with the rebuild to win the 50 games, you know, in the third year. But uh, it's uh, it's it's a fact that they don't have enough scoring. You know, I think they have Isaiah uh, Thomas is the go-to guy. But uh, besides that, I mean, you have Horford. Uh, I think he has to definitely step it up a game. I think he has to step it up a notch, excuse me. And yeah, uh, and then he needs to at least get uh, not this double-double. I think he needs to start averaging uh, a good 15, 20 points a game. You know, and uh, that's where he, I think. He, He's the next guy in line, but besides him, it's got to be Aber Bradley. You know, I think uh, he has to step up as well. I know he's uh, he came off an injury. Uh, he's obviously still getting back into the tune, but um, the guy just has so much potential. You know, uh, so but yeah, I think he has to step it up. But but the way the Celtics are playing lately, it's uh, it's hard to uh, it's it's hard to be happy. You know, to be honest, because it's sort of their. It's a lack of scoring, and it's one of the things um, I was worried about, you know, and uh, I was sort of uh, hoping Ainge would do something by um, by the trade deadline to pick up another scorer, but I guess the asking price was just way too much for likes of, um, um, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, the guy on Chicago, and then um, the guy from, from the Pacers, uh, I can't Jimmy, recall their names right J- now.
0: Jimmy Butler and Paul George?
1: Exactly. There we go. Jimmy Pollard and George. you know. I think he should have picked up at least one of them, you know, but maybe the asking price was too much. But, I mean, at the way it goes right now, I think the price will definitely be a lot cheaper by the NBA trade. I mean, once um, the free agency uh, uh, opens up. But, yeah, I mean, as far as with the Celtics in turn, I think with their lack of scoring, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be a problem. And I think someone has to step up if they plan to Um if they plan to win these Eastern
0: office this year. Right, right. And then harping back on that go-to guy thing, uh, like as, as we've seen in today's NBA, guards are the ones that usually have the ball in their hand, guard wing players. And then other than Isaiah Thomas, I can't really think of anybody on Boston, like at the guard wing position who can really create for themselves or kind of create for someone else on the team. I mean, all those other guys are on the Boston are really like great wing defenders like Bradley, Smart. Jalen Brown, Jay Crowder, but I don't really see them as guys offensively in in tight spots in the playoffs as guys who can either find a shot for themselves in a a tough, tough spot or kind of set someone else up. So I think that's going to be really tough. And it's really a big burden to put on Isaiah Thomas when other teams, I think can just throw one of their long lanky wing guys on him and then kind of just take him out of the game and frustrate him and take him out in big spots. So, what, what's Boston's ultimately, you think, you, you obviously think it's Avery Bradley is the other go-to guy from the wing position? Well, I think he has to step up, Avery Bradley, you know I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: He, he is capable, definitely capable of getting uh, 15 points a game, at minimum, you know? He's definitely capable of it. I think if he, uh, if he um, I think he has the ability to get at least 20 points a game. Um. um you know, at least 20 points a game, you know. I mean, that's one guy. Um, I think that's the main guy. Uh, and then uh, there's also the guy Smart, you know. Marcus Smart, I mean, the game against the Cavaliers. No, and the game against, not the Cavaliers, I'm sorry. game against the Hawks, he had, what, uh, five three-pointers. He had uh, 18 or 19 points. He had, like, something that no one has done in NBA history, like seven... Um, I think seven uh, rebounds or something, six steals, two assists, or something. some absurd number that's that's never been done in NBA history. But you know, I, I was sort of looking into this and I was sort of reading different things. Is that I don't think Smart, it's like the way um, he's being used. I don't think he needs. I think there's a, a lot of posts I read and stuff, a lot of things, articles that are saying that. Um. When he played with the um, against the Hawks, he played with uh, Isaiah Thomas. He didn't play with uh, their backup uh, point guard Terry Rozier. And I think in the, in in, the, in previous games he was playing with Terry Rozier. And I don't think he really as well with the, with Rozier as a player. You know, I mean, I mean, that could be opinion. That could be whatever fact. But I think that's a, That could be the case. And I think maybe what. Uh, um, the Celtics should do is is possibly put uh, smart with uh, with um, isaiah Thomas in some sort of quotation for more minutes and I think he's another person who has the ability to score more and step up the game you know and I think uh, I think that's where that's where some more points can come from
0: right yeah and then I, I seem like it's just like a kind of uh, a clog at the guard wing position for the Celtics at some point I think and they're probably going to have to get rid of some of these guys just due to the the salary cap restrictions, and they're probably going to be bringing another wing guy in the draft too. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there with one, two, Cleveland, and Boston. So let's move into three and four seeds. Uh, currently, right now, Toronto, half a game up on Washington for the, the three seed, but I think Washington ultimately will finish at the three seed. So what, let's start with Toronto. They just got Kyle Lowry back, and uh, they're kind of like, I mean, we haven't really seen them at full strength, so what do you see for them going into the going into the playoffs uh, coming off their Eastern Conference loss last year?
1: You know what? I think with Toronto, they made very good moves uh, at the trade deadline when they picked up, um, I forget his name, from Orlando.
0: Picked up um, P.J. Tucker and Sergi Bacchus.
1: Yeah, yeah. Peter trigger for the Suns and Serge Ibaka. I mean, that's the guy that's the name I was looking for from uh, Orlando. You know, that was very good moves. But for some reason, I don't think it really meshed well. Um, or they haven't found their, uh, their rhythm. I mean, we know uh, Kyle Raleigh was out. And then now he's back. You know, so that, could, that would definitely help them. But I just think, uh, I don't think they're going to hold on to get third seed. Or if they're in the third seat right now, I don't know what the standings are, but I think it's definitely going to be
0: Washington in in the third seat, and they'll fall to the fourth. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of Washington, uh, with all due respect to your Boston Celtics, I think they're the toughest uh, matchup for Cleveland. I think they have the best shot to knock off Cleveland in the Eastern Conference just because they're they're two young guards, and they have Kelly Oubre who's kind of come on, Otto Porter – a lot of like young guards. They're I think they're versatile offensively and defensively with Marcus Morris. And veteran center with Gortat. I mean, he's been kind of seasoned. He's been in a lot of different playoff runs in his days in Orlando and with Washington. And then it seems like Scott Brooks, it seems like he has successful playoff runs with uh, young teams uh, going back to his days in Oklahoma City. And he has it again with John Wall, Bradley Beal, Ubre, Porter. A lot of young talent. In D.C., in the nation's capital. So I see them uh, as being the toughest matchup, in my opinion, for Cleveland. And they kind of, it seems like they got a little rivalry going with Boston. Am I correct in saying that?
1: Yes, they do. You know, maybe it is rivalry, or maybe it's not. I think it's a lot more made up than usual. I mean, than what it is. You know, I think they sort of, uh, Washington sort of feels maybe disrespected. I, uh, I don't know what the what the thing is. I know there's some issue with John Wall and Isaiah Thomas. I don't know what that what that beef is really about, you know. But I, I think you I mean I think you're right. I, I think they can definitely give Cleveland some um, some issues, especially with that lineup they have, you know. I, I mean, it's like one of the things that Boston doesn't have, and I think that's another issue which they are which they need to definitely um, look at. Uh, in the off season, I know they have uh, some guys coming over. Uh, they have a, a big guy coming over uh, from Europe next year for, for Boston. But I, I think they need to bring in. Um, I think uh, they have those those big guys that have length, you know, that have length uh, that play physical. And I think if you do that with Cleveland, uh, I think you you definitely have a chance to beat them. You know, I mean, they are you know, Cleveland's a physical team. We all know LeBron. Uh, we all know Tristan Thompson, who's hurt, but uh, eventually they'll come back. Uh, we all know uh, Channing Frye, who they picked up. We uh, Kylie Irving, he, he's, a, he's a point guard, but he's still a physical player. But I think with, um, with Washington, they definitely have the best chance. But um, I think I mentioned before, it all depends on how how good John Wall does. If he doesn't show up, then the Wizards have no chance. And I think he needs to score... He needs to put, like, uh, a pretty decent game for them to have a chance to win any game they play. You know what I mean? So, I think that's what I think. I mean, I think that's the best way for them to even have a chance. But, but you're right. Washington does definitely does have the best chance to win against
0: Cleveland. Right, right. Yeah, John Wall, I mean, definitely having a career year. And I think he's, like, like uh, Charles Barkley says a lot... Uh, about players uh the wizards live and die with John wall in my opinion, and he's i mean the the primary playmaker ball handler I think he's their best defender at the guard wing position on their team, so I think a lot of stuff runs through him both offensively and defensively, and I think he's the uh, he's gonna he's gonna be emerge as the leader of the team both on and off the court, and he's gonna get the team into their offense control the pace of the game, control the tempo as their point guard and If he does that i think they're gonna have a deep playoff run and they're gonna give a give a good challenge to cleveland in my opinion but uh with that being said uh the one through four seeds are pretty locked in for the east as i mentioned earlier like i said five through nine is still a lot of jumbling around that could happen in the last five days of the season Uh, but we'll start with the five and six seeds Uh, atlanta currently in the five seed and milwaukee in number six uh what do you see with these teams i mean any any potential to kind of make some noise? What do you think?
1: Well, I think uh, out of those teams, dude, I think Atlanta definitely has the potential to make some noise. You know, I didn't... I've didn't seen them play that. They, I mean, they beat Boston yesterday. They beat uh, um, Cleveland today with their reserves. At, and they beat Cleveland at, at Cleveland, you know. It's sort of... I think they have a good team. They have a lot of potential, but can they maximize that potential? That's the question. You know, I mean... Um, Dennis Schroeder. I, like, I really like that pick they picked up. Uh, Prince in the draft. Um, he's rookie this year. I think that guy is, has, has huge potential.
0: Torian Prince from Baylor? I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah, Torian Prince, correct. Correct, correct. Torian Prince. I mean, I think that guy has really good potential. I like um, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, I think he has a lot of potential. But, uh, it, but like I said, I, it, it's got to come down to um, how how well they play and how well they work you know. And another thing is um you have paul Millsap. he's he's definitely a great player and i think it also comes down to howard right howard if he can put up monster games if he can put up like um um 20 points or minimum 20 points minimum 10 rebounds a game they definitely have a chance to win this thing i mean i mean not a chance to win to the title but but have a chance to to get up to possibly Eastern Conference Finals.
0: Wow. Really? I mean, that's kind of a... I didn't expect to hear that, but... Uh, I think,
1: you know, I mean, uh, I don't want to say... I mean, um, uh, don't quote me on it, you know, but but it, it's, it's sort of... The way I've been seeing them play lately, I mean, they're hitting shots, they're just... Uh, they're getting hot at the right time. You know, and I think that's uh, that's definitely a good thing. If you, because it, I think that's what it is most of it. You know, when you get the playoff time, if you're on a hot streak, can definitely help you uh, advance much further. You know, so, I mean, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. But, I mean, I, I think they definitely have a shot. So, I mean, we'll have to wait and see.
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's true. I mean, if teams get hot at going in the playoffs, that they can make a run. And that usually is a storyline that takes place and takes over in playoffs in multiple sports. Uh, but i mean atlantic it seems like to me they're kind of where they usually are at are always at uh going to the playoffs around somewhere around the fourth fifth fourth fifth seed they have like kind of a average team but not really like a legitimate type over the that'll a guy that'll take you over the hill type superstar and it seems like they can never really get over that first second round hump and it, it seems like that's where they're at again i mean. I don't think they're going to beat Washington if they if that matchup currently stands at four or five. I don't think they can beat Toronto either. But I mean, there's just a lot of uh, I think growth, and I I think Dwight. I mean, offensively, he's not really useful in today's NBA. He's kind of become like a DeAndre Light, DeAndre Jordan Light now in today's NBA. I mean, I don't think he's as good defensively as he as he was when he won three straight Defensive Player of the Year awards. And I don't, I think I'm more excited in Milwaukee's chances. I mean, they've looked really good without Jabari Parker since his injury. I mean, Don Maker's been inserted in the starting lineup, and then Chris Middleton came back. He's provided some shooting for them, floor spacing, and they look. They've looked a lot better, and they have a team. <laughs> That's very similar to the Washington team. Very young, very athletic. So, uh, possibly if they somehow get to face Cleveland, that would be an interesting matchup as well. So, but wh- what's your what's your thoughts and takes on Milwaukee's team led by uh, the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo? Antetokounmpo, <laughs> I can't even say
1: that. Okay, uh, you know they definitely have a good team. I mean, uh, there's no doubt. I mean, you have. Uh... So they're not playing with Jabari Parker. They have, like I said, they have Middleton, uh, makers um, there. And, you know, they have uh, they have uh, the guy who played on uh, Cleveland. I forget his name last year, the guard.
0: So I mean, Del Delvedova.
1: Leadership. Vadova, correct. I mean, uh, I think he's a good feisty player. You know, I mean, but them for them, I think uh, they have a chance. But uh, for them to be like maybe the better teams in the East, um, like if be, yeah, for them to beat uh, um, Washington, like you per se, or Toronto, they need to be, I think they need to shoot lights out, you know, that's my opinion. I, I think they need to shoot lights out, because I think they are still possibly, I mean, with Jabari Parker, they probably would have, I think they would have had a, a great chance to, uh, to possibly get a much higher in the East. You know, but I mean, they still can. I mean, um, in the playoffs, they get pretty high up. But I, I think that uh, I think that if they were to face like a team like Washington, they may not be able to beat them, it, especially if it's like a seven-game series.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a team that's kind of gonna have to go through some growing pains first. But uh, with that, uh, I think those teams will definitely get in Atlanta, Milwaukee, where they're seated. Doesn't really. Ma- who knows at this point, but uh, let's go down to the last three seeds seven, eight, nine. Uh, the I think in my opinion these three teams will be somewhere the two that get in will be seven, eight. Doesn't matter, we'll see how the seeding goes with that. But Chicago currently at seven, 39 and 40, Indiana currently 39 and 40, eighth seed, and then Miami in the ninth seed 38 and 41. Who do you think gets in? Uh, who do you think are the two teams out of these three that get in and uh. What do you see for all these three teams?
1: I think it's just going to be uh, Chicago and Indiana getting in, and I think uh, Miami will be left out. But uh, I just think dude, it's, it's. I don't think uh, they'll really going to win their first round series. Whomever they play, whether that's uh, Cleveland or Boston, I don't think they'll they beat them. They might win uh, a few games and make it interesting, you know. But I, I don't think they'll beat them in a full series. I just think there's too many... Uh, I mean, um, Indiana definitely has a chance um, to win a few games, especially um, with Paul George. If he, if he goes on fire, you know, unstoppable, they definitely have a chance. But I think um, it's sort of like Indiana has that same issue sort of like with Boston. It's like Paul George is the scorer. But I don't know who else um, they have um, besides him. I mean, they have that, um, that rookie, I uh, forget...
0: I think what is it Miles Turner, I think. Well Miles Turner up front is a, a big uh their big star, but uh they just got back uh Lance Stevenson recently and he's now back back on the band with uh Paul George and uh in, in his heyday he could he, he he was kind of a heat check guy, uh irrational confidence type guy. If he got hot he could m- make a. Uh, Make a big impact on the game But If he Kind of It could also go the other way for him I mean with that irrational confidence exactly. He could kind of uh, exactly. Shoot Indiana out of the game So It'll be interesting exactly. to see What How how, how he fits in Going for Going to the playoffs for them But uh, I think um, I, Yeah It'll be interesting
1: to go I, I'm just I'm kind of hoping That they play Cleveland And I just want to see him blow in LeBron's ear again <laughs>
0: that that's definitely one of the hidden uh storylines uh for the playoffs i mean uh one of the under the radar type storylines <laughs> oh man
1: that'll be interesting <laughs> yeah man
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i i think i think indiana gets in uh i think chicago and miami will fight for that last spot uh but i mean for chicago i mean it's been a Fucking like roller coaster type season for them. I mean, a lot of shit has gone down with that team. I mean, they've just been so Jekyll and Hyde throughout the entire season. I mean, they've played good against really good teams like Toronto, Cleveland. I mean, they own Toronto the last like couple seasons when they play them. I think they're like, I think like ten and two or something against Toronto the last three seasons. Exactly. And I think That's they were three and one well, against I mean, Cleveland yeah. this season. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, a lot of inner turmoil with uh, the Dwayne Wade Rondo Butler thing. A lot of there was like a rift there between Butler and Wade, and Butler Wade and and the young guys like Miritich and stuff like that. I mean, so it's just been a disastrous, like roller coaster, fucking type season for them. But they find themselves in the number seven seed, and Dwayne Wade possibly for some magical reason decides to come back now that they have a. Li- Decent shot at the playoffs, but uh, ultimately, do you see anything for them? I mean, I would like to kind of see them play Cleveland just because of the Dwayne Wade LeBron thing.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch if they do play Cleveland. That'll be definitely interesting to watch because I want to see Wade and LeBron go at it. You know, but but I I, I don't think they're gonna too, I don't think they're gonna go too far. I mean, besides what uh, Butler, um, Butler Wade. And then you have Rondo. I don't think they really have too much more on that roster. You know, I know they picked up McDermott in that trade for Taj Gibson. I think it was Taj Gibson. Um, yeah, no. Taj Gibson with Oklahoma.
0: Well, it was the other way around. McD- McDermott and McDermott and Gibson went to Oklahoma City, and then they got I mean, back. Correct, correct. They got back Joffrey, Laverne, Cameron Payne, and someone else. I forgot who it was.
1: Yeah, they pretty much. They pretty much, when they made that trade, I think they just put out the white flag at that time. But now it's sort of like I think they sort of flipped the switch. But I don't, uh, I don't know if they have enough firepower. And then now, what was that? Uh, um, Noah's, uh, I think, what, he suspended or something for like some 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 drug abuse or something? Uh, what, I well, somewhere.
0: well, Noah's on the Knicks, so that that doesn't really matter at this point.
1: Oh, that's right, that's right. You got problem. I'm so out of it, dude. <laughs> With these players. But yeah, man, I sort of, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, I mean, I don't think that they, I don't, I mean, I think they'll definitely put up a fight, you know, I mean, because a baller, and I think Wade will come out and he'll play well and LeBron um, puts up uh, some good numbers, uh, they definitely have a shot, you know, but um, it would be interesting um, to see them play Cleveland, especially with, uh, with Wade going after, with Wade against LeBron, but, We'll see what happens, you know. But I really don't think uh, I don't think uh, they'll get
0: out of, out of the first round. Yeah, and then uh, I mean, it would really be interesting to see them play Toronto because they own Toronto. I think they would have a good chance against Toronto, but I don't think they're going to play match up against them. So I think it'll be really tough for them to beat Boston or Cleveland in the first round. And then uh, with that, we'll go move into Wade's uh, former team where he built his uh, entire legacy on. In South, down in South Beach, the Miami Heat, uh, they've been one of the better teams in the second half of the season. I think they've been. I think they were eleven and thirty at one point. Since then, they've been uh, twenty-seven and eleven, I, I believe. I mean, one of the better records in the league since that point. And they've they've been playing excellent ball. I mean, led by De- Dion Waiters, Josh Richardson, Hassan Whiteside up front. So I mean, a lot of rumblings kind of went around that Spolster, I mean was not very, like, I mean, he was just kind of uh, fortunate to be in a position when they had LeBron, Wade, Bosch. I mean, uh, what do you kind of think of him as a coach in the NBA? Do you think he's one of the more elite coaches? Uh, do you think he's semi-elite? Do you think he's at the bottom tier? What do you think of him as a coach? Yeah,
1: you know, uh, I definitely think, uh, I mean, definitely if you have, like, LeBron, Wade, and Bosch on your team, you know, and especially when you had them when they were, um, Pretty much a lot younger than they are now. I mean, that's definitely it. Is it, definitely going to help you out as a coach, but but you still have to coach, you know. I mean, you still have to be a coach. You still have to make the the tough calls in the game, you know. So I definitely do do think he is a good coach. I don't consider him elite, you know. I I'm not I'm not ready to put him in the in the category of like Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich, you know. That no, no that's no way, but. I think he definitely, I mean, he did win titles, you know, rings are rings, so uh, I would definitely put him in the semi-elite category, but uh, but not in the elite, you know, because um, I think it's a coach where, um, if you put like an elite, I would say um, an elite coaches, you don't really need, if you're an elite coach, you can find talent anywhere you get, within your roster, you don't really have to have three superstars to win the the titles. You know, I mean, like, Popovich didn't, Popovich won titles without three superstars. Um, Jackson with the Bulls, he won titles. Um, MJ uh, was pretty much uh, the major superstar, the best player in the league, but besides that, they were all, most of the team was was pretty much role players, and he won titles. So I'm not ready to put him in that category, but I don't have to put him in the semi-elite category.
0: All right, fair enough. I mean, I, I have a lot of opinions on coaching. I mean, uh, but I mean, I, th- I think we'll save that for a later podcast. Uh, I'm not really ready to go, to go into that that, that deep uh, rabbit hole right now. But with that, we'll move into the Western Conference. I mean, I think pretty much uh, we've discussed everything in the Eastern Conference as far as playoffs go. All right. And then in the Western Conference, I mean, everything is pretty much set except for the eighth seed. I think Portland and Denver are still battling out to see – who will be the eighth seed? Uh, and Portland currently up a game and a half, I believe, on Denver uh, with the five days left in the season. But uh, we'll start at the top. I mean, Golden State number one, locked into number one. San Antonio pretty much locked into number two. Houston locked into number three. Utah and, and the and the Clippers are going to be facing off at four and five most likely. Uh, the Jazz, I, I think, currently hold a. I think a game, their game up on the Clippers at at this point. I mean that could that could flip either way, but either way they're going to be facing off in my opinion as the four or five matchup in the playoffs. And then Oklahoma City looks like locked in at number six, two games ahead of Memphis, who's at number seven. And it, it looks like that pretty much. I mean, with the exception of the eight seed, we look like it looks like we know what all the matchups are going to be going in the playoffs. So we'll go ahead and start at the top, uh, golden state, uh, once again for the third straight season, 65 plus wins and Stephen Curry and clay Thompson have looked, uh, like they've gotten their groove back, uh, shooting wise. And they've looked very scary the last 15 games or so. I mean, they've won 13 straight and offensively, they look like they're kind of like where they were last season. So, what do you see for them going into the playoffs, uh, and then Durant returning tomorrow night against Memphis or New Orleans? Excuse me. That's,
1: okay, okay, New Orleans. Uh, but dude, it's like <laughs> I don't know what to say. You know, they're playing lights out right now. You know, I mean, especially Clay Thompson and Seth Curry. You know, they're playing lights out. You know, they're 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 just shooting exceptionally well. You know, and I think that's going to the playoffs. That's that's definitely giving them a huge a huge bonus. But we have to see what happens once Durant comes back, because when Durant comes back, he's going to get uh, his fair shots, you know, and, and, and he's going to get the ball, you know. So once that happens, our uh, Steph Curry and uh, Clay Thompson have to give, have to shoot less shots, and will that affect them? Uh, I don't know. It, it, it possibly could, you know. Possibly could affect them. Um, it, it could affect their their mojo. We'll see what happens, you know. I mean, that's. Uh, I think that's. It's a, that's a huge uh, factor. A lot of people don't give a lot of thought to you know. Um, when you're playing well, you, see, you sort of don't want to mess up that rotation. But when you have like a guy like Durant, who's one of the best players in the league, coming back up injury, you have to definitely play him and and work him way and work him way back into uh, and let him work his way back into the lineup, work his way back into the into the rhythm. So you have to give him a shot. So that might affect them you know but we'll see this happens but I still don't think I think they'll I think they'll uh, they'll pretty much um, coast pretty much all the way to uh, the Western Conference Finals so um, and whoever they play then um, we'll see what happens you know I mean there's uh, there's always a chance they can uh, there's always a chance they may not win the championship this year It, it all depends on how well they play with each other, all the plans on how they shoot. And it, I guess there's so many different uh, aspects of it, you know?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, this is a really interesting case because, I mean, you have one of the better players in the league coming back to a, a team that's already, like, super hot. A team that won 73 games last year without him. And, I mean, he, he's... he when he when At the time he was injured, he was definitely one of the top five MP, MVP candidates. And, I mean he's kind of all dealt with like a decent amount of injuries throughout his career. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back and how he looks, how he, how he feels because he's always kind of had like a weird type body, seven foot. He's kind of, he's lanky. He's not as, as, as strong of a player that as you would prefer at that position. So I think does, does he run the risk of maybe suffering another major injury or something? Kind of like, a. Like Curry last year, I don't wish this on any player, but he was he kind of got a little banged up at the end, of the regular season, kind of going into the playoffs, and then he had that like slip I get I think against Houston, and then his whole uh, he was never really the same for the rest of the playoffs after that. So I it'll be interesting to see, but uh, like I, like you were saying, I mean, just too much talent. So it looks like they're gonna they're in they're in position to make another deep playoff run again for the third straight season. But with that, uh, we'll go into the second seed, another 60 win team, the San Antonio Spurs, uh, uh, coming off Duncan's retirement this season. And it seems like they don't miss a beat, uh, the Greg Popovich in his 20th season or 21st season, something like that. Uh, and it seems like they have a lot of size up front with Aldridge Gasol, Dwayne Dedman, and then Kawhi Leonard, one another MVP candidate, playing exceptional basketball. But a lot of younger guys, a lot of not very seasoned playoff guys, going into the playoffs for them this season. Uh, what are your initial thoughts uh, for them going into the playoffs?
1: You know, I think uh, I think they're going to be another scary team. You know, in the playoffs, I think they they definitely have a chance. They definitely have a good chance of, of defeating uh, the Warriors. Um, uh, to win the Western Conference title, but they have to play well. You know, they have to be able to shoot. They have to play, be able to defend. And they have to be able to use that size they have to their advantage. You know, it's sort of like, uh, that's what I, one of the things with the Warriors that I've seen that, yes, if they're going to shoot, they're going to make their points. But if you're a little physical with these guys, you, you can definitely get them off their game. You know, it's like with Memphis this year. I think the Warriors lost to Memphis twice. And Memphis is a little more of a physical team than, than most teams are. So, if the Spurs, yeah, if the Spurs play to that advantage, which I think Popovich might eventually probably do, they definitely have a chance. But they have to play well. You know, they have to play well. They have to defend, and they have to be able to shoot. You know, I mean, I, I know that's a whole that's a that's a long list of things they had to do. But, but you never know. In the, in, you never know what the Spurs. It's like they always. It's like the Spurs. They always. Uh, it's like it, it, it's like they're sort of uh, they're sort of uh, um, ha, have been doing for years. Is for them the regular season is regular season. You know, they don't they just like coast. They just like slowly move through it, win their games. But uh, once it comes to the playoffs, they um, they turn another gear. You know, and I, I think that's sort of Papa Pitch's uh, uh, philosophy or the way he does things. So we'll see what happens. You know, but they but they but I think I definitely think they have a good chance of uh, defeating um, the Warriors. But but it it also it has to come down to all these different things, it comes down to defense, scoring, and and playing physical.
0: Yeah, I think for them the main thing is I mean up front they're definitely I think better overall than Golden State. I think they can control the get the glass, and I think they can go toe to toe with them up front. But I think they, that's where when it comes down to the guards and the backcourt i think that's where they're at a big disadvantage just because curry and clay thompson are in the primes of their career and they're both excellent lethal three-point shooters some of the best we've ever seen in nba history and then tony parker for him to be effective he needs to get in the paint that's what that's when he was at his most effective in his career i just don't see him doing that anymore and then danny green uh Obviously, one of the better defenders in the league. I think he's very underrated. Kind of overshadowed just because Kawhi is such a dominant defender. But I think he needs to be super effective shooting the three and just doing his job to perfection as a 3 and D guy. I think if they can somehow get Parker to kind of turn back the clock and be that paint-penetrating point guard, the guy that lives in the paint, I think they have a really good shot. But I don't know. It'll be... That's really, I think, the only shot for them against Golden State. But uh, with that, it'll be interesting to see. And I think Houston at the at the three seed, I think at this point, has a better shot against Golden State just because they can match them toe to toe offensively. Defensively, they have that's where they really struggle. But def- I mean, offensively, uh, they have they have some of the best three point shooters in the entire league. I mean, I think they made the most threes in NBA history of any team this season. And they also shoot a lot of threes. They shoot a lot of threes with Harden, Anderson, Eric Gordon. I mean, it seems like everybody on that team shoots threes. And Harden, I mean, it seems like he can just go off uh, on a couple nights just by himself and win you maybe a game or two in a series. So I think they're a tougher matchup, I think, for Golden State. So I kind of just wanted to get some more thoughts from you about the Rockets.
1: You know the Rockets. I, I. It just comes one thing off the mind. I think that, that Lou Williams pickup uh, at, at the trade deadline. I think that was very key for them because he he brings that extra scoring off the bench, which that I think which they it really helps them. If he can come off the bench and and give you twenty points tonight, that that's definitely going to be a huge advantage for them. But like you said, you know they can definitely score. They can score lifetime with Harden, Gordon. You know, they can definitely score lights out, but the problem is, can they defend? And I think that's what their Achilles heel is, is defense. If they can step up their defense in the playoffs, you know, they definitely have a great chance of um, possibly knocking out Golden State. But, I mean, it's it's like all these things have to happen. They have to play defense. And the thing is, they're not hard as much of a defender, um, so um, we'll see. We'll see him. We'll see if they if they use that philosophy, which I I hope they do. But uh, it, I guess the the word is it's much easier said than done. So yeah, we have to wait and see what happens.
0: All right, definitely. And then with that, we'll move into what it was most likely going to be the four or five matchup, pretty much for in all certainty. Utah at number four currently, and then the Clippers. Uh, what's your thoughts on Utah? I mean, they've made quite a quite an improvement this season. Uh, their best player, probably Gordon Hayward. And then up front with Gobert, Go, Rudy Gobert, excuse me, uh, a candidate for defensive player of the year this season. Uh, excellent defensive center. What What are your thoughts on Utah going to the playoffs?
1: You know, they're uh, they're a very young team. They're a young and, and hungry team. You know, and they can be scary in the playoffs. You know, especially if they like that, uh, that switch in the playoffs, they can be a scary team. And they can definitely give you give any uh, top three team or what's a top yeah top three team is here. But then again, I don't think they're um, they're just yet capable of beating any top three team in um, uh, a seven game series. They might win one two, but I, I don't think they can beat them. I think they're still they're still too young. They, I think they're too young, and they probably need another another player,
0: um, one player away from making that real difference. All right, okay, definitely. And then next, uh, number five, uh, very interesting team. Uh, it's been a kind of roller coaster year for them, uh, a lot of injuries with, to Chris Paul, Blake Griffin. I don't think they've really had their whole like set of team for a consistent, for a consistent stretch of the season with the exception of probably the first 20 games of the season. Past that I, I can they have they've kind of been like a broken team. They've never really gotten a rhythm together. The Clippers, I mean, they're probably on a five year run with this core. So what do you see for them going into the playoffs? Uh I think they can ultimately beat Utah in round one, but then obviously they run into a monster monster in round two with Golden State. When healthy, they've proven they can kind of give Golden State a little trouble, so what do you see for them going into the playoffs?
1: You know, I think uh I think they're going to beat Utah definitely, but when it comes to if they play Golden State in the second round, it'll be an interesting matchup. You know, the Clippers, they have a shot, you know, they have a good team, uh, but it's you it know everything has to mesh. You know, um, uh, Blake Griffin shouldn't play bonehead basketball. Um, Chris Paul should uh, should um, he needs to uh, flip the switch, and uh, in a way he needs to be become who he was like 5-6 years ago you know the awesome point guard that can get you that can take control of the game you know I don't think he's that player anymore um, he, he's still a great player no doubt but I think he's still not he hasn't, he's not who he was like 5-6 years ago he's a lot older and whatnot. but, um, but he definitely have a chance and I think um, DeAndre Jordan has to play big too Jamal Crawford has to come up big um, JJ Redick has to come up big I mean, there's a lot of ifs there, you know, but, they're, but, they're all, but they have a chance, you know. And It's not just, what do you call the word, a fighter's chance. I think they have a good chance, you know, but it, everything has to fall in place. So, I mean, but yeah, it'll be fun, interesting to see where they go. And uh, I think um, the Clippers be, might be more interesting. This is, like, maybe another subject down the road, but I think there's going to be some changes this year with them, with their roster. At the end of the season, I think they're. um, um, I don't know what's going to. I can't say what's going to happen for sure, but I think. I mean, you might see.
0: Blake and Chris Paul are both free agents at the end of the season. What do you think happens with them?
1: I think Griffin's gone. Where's he going? Um, I think. I think he's going to go. uh, I think one of the spots he'll go to is maybe Oklahoma City. Go back home? He's from Oklahoma. Go back home. He's from Oklahoma. He can be that, um, if he goes to Oklahoma, he can be that, uh, um, he can team up with um, with um, a Westbrook. You know, and I think that's what Oklahoma needs, that kind of player. They need a more um, sort of a physical player inside uh, that can give points like that. So I think he—that that, that's definitely a possibility. I can see him possibly going to maybe even Houston. You know, if, um, if that's another destination for him. Or I can see him even possibly going to Boston. You know, because Boston can definitely use someone like him as a player. So we'll see. What I mean, it'll be interesting to see with him. I think Chris Paul stays uh, with the Clippers because I think he's not going to give up uh, all the money he's going to get with the new contract uh, to go to another team. And then um, I think he'll stay and Jordan will be there or... And then, you want to go over there? And I think the Clippers, will, actually, the most interesting thing out of all the Clippers is there's rumors saying that Doc Rivers might uh, might go to Orlando and become Orlando's general manager. So, so we'll see. You know, it'll be, it'll be a very interesting off season. And you, then you have the season with the Clippers. I think uh, there's also saying that uh, the owner, uh, I don't recall his name, but he Steve might move them to a new... Yeah, a Balmer. Might, might move moved them to a new uh, stadium in, in, Inglewood. Uh, so, um, I think a lot of changes. Whether or what happens, um, I mean, regardless of what happens to them in the playoffs, I think there will be a lot of changes in Clipperland. You know, and uh, it'll be it'll be uh, interesting to see what happens.
0: Yeah, I mean, this will definitely be a uh, kind of a uh, team changing uh, off season if they don't uh, make it past. The second round, in my opinion, and it'll be a lot of a lot of uh, changes, in my opinion. And I think they they kind of break it up a bit and kind of start afresh. But we'll be we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, for now, we'll just look at, look at them and see what what they do in the playoffs. But uh, the next three seeds, uh, I don't really see much there other than Oklahoma City. The only interesting thing there is Westbrook. I mean, he's uh, he's obviously going to end the season with a triple double. So uh, that's really the only thing there, but I don't really see them any of these teams as <laughs> true contenders. So I'm I I really don't think we're really going to discuss this much. I don't really see them All as right. true contenders. <laughs> Sorry about Fair that, but well that'll that'll kind of take us into our next discussion. Uh, it's a discussion the other kind of race that's going on, the race for the number one pick, and the other playoff <laughs> or I guess off season race. We'll call it. Uh, we currently have. Brooklyn Nets worst record and that that pick goes to your Boston Celtics obviously and then you got Phoenix uh the second worst and then the Lakers the third worst they're all in the they're all pretty much going to end up as the three worst teams in the league and then the Lakers I mean if they don't if their pick does not uh come within the top 3 they lose it to Philadelphia and then I think one of the next 2 years they they also lose a number one, a, a first round draft pick to Orlando uh, involving the Dwight Howard trade back in 2012. So, this is a very important draft lottery for Laker fans in general. And, I mean, it's just uh, become very surprising at how much of a fucking joke the Lakers have become. I mean, all my life, they've been Boy. one of the premier franchises in NBA and all of sports, and they've become an absolute fucking joke the last four years. I mean... Uh,
1: tell me about it, dude. You know, I've been... Uh, you know my feelings towards the Lakers, okay? Uh, uh, I'm not a Laker fan. I, I, I'm very far from it, actually. Uh, I'm not a hater of Lakers, no, but I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a fan either. Uh, you know, with the Lakers, I think they've become a joke. You know, I think uh, it all comes down to um, uh, Jerry Bust, he was the man, you know? When he was the owner and GM, he was a man, but after his, uh, after uh, he passed away, it's his children have pretty much uh, screwed up everything. You know, I mean, with the Lakers, you have what, uh, I mean, yeah, they could potentially lose the, um, the top, uh, if it falls out of the top three, they, they can definitely lose it. You know, and then the next year, then I think in the next two, like I said, next year or the year after, they can use the top pick again, and I it's another thing is, I mean, um, I think what the Lakers are doing, they're just tanking, you know, it's sort of like they're what in the year three, of the, of the rebuild too, but I'm not seeing any progress there as far as like wins per year. You know, it's like, it's like all they're trying to do is just pick up as many first round picks as they can. Yeah. You know, like, like top picks, you know, it's sort of like, um, like this year when they change management, um, with uh, Jeannie Bus taking over, and now she has control of, of the uh, of the Lakers, hiring Matt Johnson, and then uh, changing the GM, uh, and then the uh, assistant uh, general manager just quit uh, today. Um, uh, the long time just assistant general manager. I, I I don't recall his name. It's like management changing, and then I think one of the most boneheaded moves they did was uh, Matt Johnson deciding. Um, okay, um, now we're going to sit um, those two players they signed, those two veteran players, I don't know, I mean, to those absurd Lu, contracts.
0: Luol Deng and Timofey uh, Yeah, Fee?
1: Luol Deng and, and Mozgov. I think they they both come out to, like, almost $40 million a year in, in both their contracts, and now they're going to sit them this year and probably sit them, uh, I don't know if they'll sit them again, and they're, they still have to pay them for the next, what, three years. So that's a, that's like forty million a year gone, just wasted. So, and I think what the, what Magic is trying to do, he's just trying to tank. Pretty much, um, when he when he sat them, he traded uh, Lou Williams. He's just trying to uh, to tank to try to get uh, a top pick this year and and not lose the first round pick they have. But we'll see what happens, you know, because uh, Phoenix right now they're they're also tanking as well. Uh, They just keep losing and losing. Um, The Nets, actually, they were losing, and now all of a sudden they are sort of uh, like on roll.
0: The Nets have no Um, fucking incentive uh, to lose. (laughs) None at all.
1: Yeah, they have no advantage. Exactly. They don't. That's the problem. They don't have any...
0: uh, Boston Boston seems seems like Boston owns their draft picks for the rest of the fucking decade.
1: Yeah, that's what it is, pretty much. (laughs) This year, next year... And they own more picks from uh, I, I think um, this year and next year the, the major ones, and I, I think there's another one coming. Um, I, I forget what year that is, but yeah, it's pretty much they have no incentive, you know. But the thing is, um, I, I I just hope they lose. <laughs> I hope that they don't get. Um, I I hope they don't uh, let Phoenix surpass them in in losses. And I think there's, what, three games left in the season, so I just hope they lose every single one. And Boston has a higher percentage to get the first-round pick this year.
0: All right, definitely. And then another thing uh, that's not really mentioned and I don't think many people are picking up on is how undercover the Lakers have been in tanking in the last four years. I mean, they've had... The story has always been about how Philadelphia is the tanking team the last four years, trust the process, this, that. And the Lakers, I think, have kind of they've they they're tied actually i think or they might have a worse record for the aggregate of the last 4 years than philadelphia or just as bad i think if you take the aggregate the all 4 years and combine it i think their record is just as bad or worse and the lakers yeah. have kind of hit that with kobe on his last leg the kobe farewell tour and they've kind of been yeah slid under the radar with that tanking stuff and I think they've they've kind of hit it with that and then nobody's really noticing it but they're pretty much doing what what Philadelphia is doing I mean it's pretty much trust the process West for them
1: I think no, uh, see uh, I think uh, I think everybody realizes it but no but no one wants to. but especially Laker fans don't want to talk about it I think that's the case I think they're too ashamed to talk about it I mean we had so many um, when the Celtics were, when they traded away Pierce and Garnett and uh, um, Rondo at that time, you know, there I got a lot of uh, um, shit from a lot of Laker fans saying, "Oh, the Celtics are—they're just tanking right now." You know, they want to tank to get a pick, and I got a lot of shit. And I said, nah. "I said maybe they are. Maybe they—they uh, they, they, they want to give these guys um, a shot to win another title, whatever <laughs> it is." But but the Celtics, you've seen. Um, like I said, they've had the quickest turnaround in NBA history as far as like going in, in rebuild. You know, in your third year of rebuild, to win 50 games is amazing.
0: Yeah, I think with their coach, I mean Brad Stevens. He, I don't, I don't even think he allowed tanking. I don't even think he let that come in the locker room. Those thoughts. I think he's just like a I don't think so. high-powered, uh, high-energy type coach, young, energetic. So I don't think he even kind of let that enter. It. He's always trying to win every game that they go out and play.
1: Exactly, exactly. You know, so that's the thing. And it, like you said, the Lakers have been sort of tanking for the last four years. You know, they've been like, tanking, getting all these picks Randall, Russell, uh, Ingram. And then uh, this year, potentially, if they do get a pick, um, I think they like uh, um, ball from UCLA. So we'll see what happens. But all that tanking, I'm not seeing any improvement. You know, I mean, yes, I understand you're tanking, but if you're tanking, you have the you need to see some sort of improvement in wins every year, or otherwise you're just going to be like, you beat up 76ers and, and have five starting players who are all first-round picks but end up doing nothing.
0: Right, right, definitely. And then going into the draft, I mean, uh, what do you see from kind of the players that are coming out uh, into this year's draft? I mean, what's your like top five big board at the, at the current moment?
1: I mean, at this moment, I would have to say uh, number one, I'd have to go with Fultz, uh, Marquise Marquis false from Washington. Number two, I would have to go with uh, Josh Jackson from uh, Kansas. Um, number three, I'd have to go with Paul um, um, from UCLA. Uh, number four, I just he just came out out of nowhere. Is uh, that guy Monk? I think he played at Kentucky. I think mm-hmm. uh, he's uh, he's potentially uh, a lifestyle out shooter. So I definitely have to see him as number four. Five is sort of up in the air. I mean, there's multiple players that can date him. It could be Jonathan Isaac. It could be Tatum
0: from Duke. Uh, it, it, it's sort of up in the air there. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think I for me, it's, I mean, one or two. I mean, I don't think you can go either wrong with, wrong with either one. I think it's either Fultz or Ball. I think those are the two best players in the draft, in my opinion. And then I think after that, I'd probably go... I'd probably go Monk, then Tatum, and then five is probably between Josh Jackson and De'Aaron Fox, the other guy from Kentucky. I mean, he really emerged in the tournament, and he kind of uh, had his way against Lonzo Ball in that Sweet 16 matchup, so uh, we'll we'll discuss that more as the draft comes along and the draft lottery comes along, but it's kind of uh, good to take a little bit initial look at it right now, but in depth we'll get into it more later. But uh, with that being said, uh, we'll move into our last topic and then uh, we'll call it quits for tonight, uh, All right. which is the hot uh, topic of the MVP debate. I mean, one of the best MVP races I've probably seen in my lifetime. So uh, what, what, what's your take? What, what's your MVP pick at this point? I have to definitely
1: go Russell Westbrook. I mean, the, the guy is doing, he's just simply amazing. You know, um, he just passed Oscar Robertson. You know, as far as like um, triple doubles in a, in a season, he single-handedly is carrying uh, um, Oklahoma City. You know, uh, to doing what they're doing. You know, I mean, the guy is just simply playing amazing lights out. You know, he's making Oklahoma City completely forget about Durant. You know, I mean, he just say, I don't think that there's any other player um, that can. To his level in um in the league this year. I mean, he, he, he might have some players who have more points than him uh, in some games, more just who do more um, maybe more points, more assists, more rebounds. But but for, for this guy to to do it consistently for the whole season is just simply amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's been uh, absolutely spectacular. I think he's had uh, he's tied uh, Oscar Robertson this season with forty-one triple doubles. And the, Oklahoma City is thirty-two and nine in those games, in in games that Russell Westbrook has a triple double. At the current moment, uh, Oklahoma City is currently down by nineteen to Phoenix, so that's good for you, Shea, uh, being a Celtics fan. Uh, Phoenix looks like they're gonna win. Uh, seven seven minutes left. They're up nineteen. So uh, I mean, like get, getting back to the MVP race, uh, Russell Westbrook is definitely somewhere near the top in the top three. James Harden definitely is up there. For me, it's got to be Harden, I think. I I think we kind of forget how good uh, the supporting cast is for Oklahoma City. They're not, like, terrible players. I mean, he has some pretty good, decent players alongside him with Old Depot, Steven Adams, Enos Kanter. I think if you look at Houston, that's kind of similar talent right there as far as a supporting cast goes. And then Houston's in number three at 52 wins compared to Oklahoma City at currently number six in the West with 45 wins and i just think harden is pretty much having almost a triple double too i th- i just think i can't give the mvp to westbrook just because he's averaging two more rebounds per game i mean in that that season oscar robertson had averaged a triple double he was third in mvp voting so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a toss up i mean i i wouldn't be entirely mad if Westbrook got it because he's been absolutely spectacular and he he would he he's definitely deserving of it but I just think Harden is more deserving of it I think he's the most deserving of any player this season as far as the MVP goes just because of how bad they played last season and how how much of an improvement they've made this season offensively and they're definitely one of the contenders in the West but I mean Harden, I mean, he's been absolutely spectacular, like I mentioned, but some other interesting stats for some of the other MVP candidates, Kawhi Leonard obviously is one of the best MVP candidates, one of the top five. He's had, in his career, I mean, this is a crazy stat I saw the other day, he has more career steals than more career fouls at this point in his career, I mean... (laughs) I've I don't I don't know if I've ever seen a more amazing stat. I mean, that kind of just embodies the type of player he is. I mean, wh- what do you make of that stat?
1: That's amazing, dude. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know what to say. You know, to be honest, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> All right, yeah, and then LeBron. I mean, he's having an excellent season as well. I mean, I think he's having a career high in rebounds, a career high in assists at almost nine a game, yep. and I mean. I think Cleveland I think is plus fourteen I think when he's on the court and when he when he goes off the court, I think they're fourteen points worse. I think that's like the biggest gap of any player in the entire league in this in this well, season I agree. and then I think he and once again, I mean he's super efficient I think shooting fifty four fifty five percent this is like his seventh time in his career shooting fifty fifty plus percent i mean I think this is just one of the best mvp type races i've seen and then obviously like we mentioned before durant was a legitimate contender too with an efficient season he was having before his uh knee injury so but like i said i mean the vote will probably come down to top two Westbrook and Harden like we mentioned you're going Westbrook I'm going Harden I don't think you can go wrong either way but it's just going to be really tough for the writers and voters to vote this season and it's going to be a very close race but uh it'll be interesting to see who wins and there's kind of a slight change up in how they're gonna give the award out this season I think during this before they would give it out kind of like a couple of awards each series and then I think the MVP would kind of uh be announced somewhere in the second round but this season, they're going to have an award show at the end of the season. So after the finals are played, so I, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And there's going to be a whole award show, kind of like the ESPYs, the Emmys, something like that, where the, all the players are in attendance. Kind of like the NFL does it with the the night before the Super Bowl. They give out all the awards. So there's going to be something similar to that. So it'll be really interesting to see in one of the best MVP races in my lifetime, how that's going to play out. So, but with that being said, uh, any other storylines you thought you think we missed on, missed out on, or you think we pretty much touched all the buttons?
1: I think we touched all the buttons, dude. Uh, I don't think there's anything else we missed out on. But uh, I think we we pretty much covered everything. You know, everything there is that's relevant right now in the NBA. All right. I don't
0: think
1: there's anything else.
0: Fair enough. I mean, definitely, uh, it should be an interesting, uh, playoffs coming up next Saturday and, uh, definitely, uh, this is a very exciting time in NBA season and in sports overall. And I'm definitely looking forward to watching all these playoff games and, uh, Akshay, it's always a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for coming thank for on. Me,
1: thank you for having me
0: and everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next Thursday, probably Thursday night. We'll do a first round preview of all the NBA playoff matchups and uh, we'll see you guys then. Thank you.